Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 71 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things Toronto Blue Jays related. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And today on our show, we've got a lot to talk about. The Jays just hired a pretty well-known guy to be their bench coach. We'll talk about all the pros and cons and what that is for Don Mattingly and what he brings to the table and what this might mean for the rest of the team. We've got some more Blue Jays trade rumors to discuss. We're going to dive into our winter meetings free preview, and we got 15 more potential free agents to talk about on the agenda. A lot to get to, Riley, but first, what's up, man? How are you? How's it going? I'm good. December 1st, officially Christmas season, yes, as sir. far as I'm concerned. Um, let's see some snow. Let's see some moves by our Blue Jays. Yeah, everything's good, brother. Everything's good. Slowly kicking forward. And yeah, some pretty big news um, as far as our manager staff. I, I mean, time to shave your sideburns, kit, or burns <laughs> kids. We got the 1985 AL MVP and Don Mattingly coming to the Blue Jays staff. That's huge, man. I mean... You talk about a perennial guy, a guy who didn't necessarily define an era because there was a lot of good players, but we're talking about Don Mattingly. This is Donnie Baseball. This is a guy who played a long time in the show. This is a guy who's managed for a long time. I mean, for him to come to the Blue Jays with a full resume, um, when we got guys trying to make out their careers, young managers, young players, and we got a veteran presence like Don Mattingly, I think that big man this guy has got nothing to prove he's got nothing left to prove i mean he's won championships he's won awards he's got the hardware i mean this is this is perfect for us man this is a this is a veteran leader on our team and if i ever do say so don mattingly is a guy that can do this for us all right yeah let's jump right into it dude the toronto blue jays they have agreed to terms with don mattingly to be our bench coach and riley you said a lot of the great stuff a hell of a player in his time you already said he's the 1985 al mvp Seven-time gold glover as well. I'd say Don Mattingly knows a thing or two about the game of baseball. Played his whole major league playing career with the New York Yankees. He was the manager of the LA Dodgers for five years and then manager of the Miami Marlins for the next seven, including winning manager of the year in 2020. So I will say he knows a thing or two about this managerial thing. And honestly, I think the big thing that we're going to see here from um, Mattingly is that he's going to provide a veteran presence to the Toronto Blue Jays, a guy who's been around, a guy who's done that before. And think John Schneider, a very young, a very inexperienced manager, is going to need this guy to fall back on because there are so many unprecedented challenges that you might face over the course of a major league baseball season and who better to fall back on than a guy like Don Mattingly who's seen there and done it throughout his career. I mean, you got a guy who played in an era where it's a lot different from what's played nowadays, but Don Mattingly has been around the game for a long time. He's been around the field. He's had the role of manager. If anything, you know, a bench coach is a step back from in a lot of ways, but at the same time too, it can probably let him focus on a lot of things. Be John Schneider's right-hand man, if you want to mm -hmm. call it that, and help him in the big decision-makings for this ball club in 2023. Honestly, man, it's a great choice. Uh, to bring Don Mattingly, I think just the com just the completeness of of Mattingly's resume and the inexperience that we do have. Because let's be honest, coaching players, there's a lot of inexperience on this ball team, man. And you bring in a guy with the resume that Mattingly has. I mean, it just seems like a no brainer move. Another thing I think that he is going to bring to this team is that he's going to bring accountability to the players. Because at the end of the day, the managers and coaches can only do so much. It's going to be onus is on the players to perform. And I think that's something the Blue Jays were really lacking when Charlie Montoyo and his staff was managing this team. He didn't make his players accountable for what they were doing. And Don Mattingly is going to bring that. Plus, he's always been a very good hitter's mind uh, throughout his uh, career as a manager. He's always got some of the better stuff out of his hitters. So I think just having another ear that the hitters can go to when they're struggling is going to be a big plus. Here's what Ross Atkins said about the uh, Don Mattingly hire. And he said, quote, I think it's something that will create a calming impact and influence. It'll not only help with performance or lack thereof, but also with accountability, which will be huge for us. Sounds like this deal came together pretty quickly once they started talking. And it seems like a win on all sides. I mean, accountability is important when you're talking about this ball club. We can go back to our last game of this season, our biggest loss this season. And you look at accountability on that game, who to pinpoint. You know, you could put a, you could put things on the players. You can put things on the coaches. Um, and like you said before, man, um, like Charlie didn't – he had a grasp on the team, but it was in a different way. It was more like a buddy-buddy thing. We need, we need something to corral these – young players these hooligans if you will and um and and uh donnie baseball i think will will do that quite well um but yeah john schneider has essentially a half a year as a major league manager under his belt i think bringing in a longtime player um, a longtime coach 
um, a newly minted manager in the majors, you know, in the past, like he's not a, a 20 year vet by any means, but he's been around the game of baseball. And now he's taking, you know, more of a step back as far as being a bench coach from a manager. I think it's great, man. He's going to be able to assess this team quite well. Cause it's quite clear what we're trying to do here in Toronto. And he yep. knows that I'm sure he's pretty excited to be a member of the staff. And I know that a lot of blue Jays fans, us included are pretty pumped to have him. We saw too many times in the 2020 season or 2021, 22 season last season that uh, the Blue Jays are having too many player only meetings, closed door without the managers and stuff. And honestly, they're good, I guess, every now and again, if you really need to write the ship. But once you're having two or three of those, that's a problem. It's got to be on the coaches to get those and get into the player's head. Don Mattingly is going to be great at doing just that. Riley, I have a few more quotes here about uh, about joining the team. Here's one that Don Mattingly himself said. He said, quote, the Blue Jays are a really interesting team and that Bo Bichette was actually among one of the players to reach out to the bench coach early in his uh, signing or maybe even before he was officially signed. And Don Mattingly actually has a dog named Bo. So I thought that was really cool. Now he's got uh, two little Bows, I guess, to take care of on the big league roster. Yeah, and um, probably not too different in age because you forget that <laughs> Bo Bichette and all these guys, I mean, he's not he's uh, like they're not pups anymore, but they're pretty they're pretty young dogs on this ball team. And uh, let's hope he can get little Bo and Vladdy and the rest of the gang all uh, all rounded up and being able to perform this year. He did make it clear, though, that this is John Schneider's team. John Schneider will be running the helm. He's just going to be back, and he's going to help out in whatever capacity looks like. And then he also said the most important thing here is to win baseball games. And I know I love that. I know you love that. Just great things you want to hear from our new bench coach. John Schneider had a quote here as well. He said, it was great getting to know Don throughout the process. We are very excited about the experience he brings. Look forward to the impact on the players and the staff as we look forward. So seems like good things all get around. All good and sunshine for the Don Mattingly hire. Get those sideburns shaved, Donnie Baseball. You're coming to Toronto. Perfect. Love it. Uh, so I've got some fun manager stats here. And, you know, he's not our manager. He's going to be our bench coach. But Don Mattingly has had a pretty interesting career. So I wanted to throw some of these at you. Career record as a manager of 889 and 950. Now, a lot of those came on a losing Marlins team pretty late in the rear. The thing I noticed last year is that Don Mattingly might actually have a longer leash on our starting pitchers. Riley, we've seen a few times this year during the season where... Ross Stripling was pulled from a game a little early. Alec Manoa was pulled out and a little pissed. Even Kevin Gosman at times was pulled a little early and he was upset. The Miami Marlins led the league in complete games last year. Now, they had Sandy Alcantara on their team last year, so that had a lot to do with it. So maybe take this with a grain of salt, but maybe there could be a thing where um, Mattingly just gets in the mind of John Schneider and lets the pitchers pitch a little further this year. Yeah, I mean, Alcantara in in Miami had had an unreal year. Mm -hmm. I mean... I think undoubtedly the NL Cy Young Award winner. Like, and there was no, there was more of way more of a debate, ba- ba- eh, way more of a debate in the American League than there was the National League. But um, yeah, this, like I said, this is a guy who's been around the game, and now that basically the rules as of a couple of years ago have changed and the universal DH like it's the same game. There's no conversion for Don Mattingly. He's now going to do the exact same thing. The adapt, the adaptation adaptation will be basically just kind of chill back. If John Schneider needs, you know, someone to look to, that's his job. He doesn't necessarily yep. have to make the big moves, but I'm sure he's going to help in making some big moves and, you know, and hopefully influence John Schneider and making some positive things. Hey man, I would love to see Manoa go out there and pitch complete games. It seems oh, like we forever. All we all, would. I mean, there are certain times, Jesse, you're more of a, if it's a three, nothing game, you know, let him stay in. I, you know, that's fine, but a close ball game. I do want to see if he's, if he's, is, you know, losing velocity and a little bit of control, I would take him out, but Hey man, if he can go, he can go. And um, if he has that influence on the team, that's great. Cause I still don't know. I can't even tell you when the last time we had a complete game is I don't look it up, but I'm pretty sure it was almost Marco, Marco Estrada. I feel like, <laughs> or someone like that is ridiculous. No, it wasn't last year. I think we had a seven inning, no hitter or no, not a no hitter. Sorry. A seven inning complete game a while back there, but I know we didn't have a single one this year. And that's what yeah, matters. So and, for y- and for years. And I just want to point out, that's great that we had a seven inning um, complete game, but, it just uh, doesn't count as far as I'm concerned. So whatever. It's agreed, just like agreed. When, it's like when Mad Bum pitched a no hitter in the seven inning or whatever it was. And he's like, I like basically he's like, yeah, that's cool. Like that doesn't count. Like 
got six outs to go, man. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, some few more stats on Don Mattingly. I don't know if they're going to mean anything for this Blue Jays team going forward, but steal attempts for the Marlins were much higher in league average. In fact, when there was a runner on first base with a chance to steal second base, um, Don Mattingly had his players take an attempt at it just shy of 10% of the time which is well above league average. So maybe you see a little more aggression from the Blue Jays base pass. And he uh, was 47.2% on overturning replay challenges last year. And I have no idea what that means. I have no idea if it's predictive, but I thought it was kind of cool. Little Don Mattingly stat there for you. Those are nice. I don't know if they mean a whole lot. The, the replay stats are c- good. Obviously, the rule is if you you can keep your challenge if you're successful. So basically I kind of do look at that as you're losing your challenge 58% of the time. Right. But you know what? If let's pretend that the average is if the average is 35%, let's say, then that's great. I don't know what the average is, Jesse. It just it just always feels nice when you do get a challenge overturned. Let's hope that there's good influence towards that and not mm-hmm. the negative influence. I'm sure everything's gonna play out great, man. I mean, let's be real. It's not like there's not any eyebrows raised at this uh, this move. I mean, it's a pretty comfortable thing. You're bringing in a guy with a platinum resume to an already good team, just inexperienced, and you're adding more experience. You can't go wrong. We've already spent too much time talking about a bench coach, but that's how things have been kind of this slow in the offseason right now. I do have one more stat I want to share before we move on, and this is about Don Mattingly's playing career. So Don Mattingly, through his aged 23 season, he hit 322, a 363 on base percentage, and a 139 OPS plus. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. through his age 23 season, 284 with a 363 on base percentage and a 135 OPS plus. Very similar stats so far in their career from Don Mattingly at his age 23 season to Vladimir Guerrero's 23 season. So Vlad might be able to help with Don because they've gone through similar types of production through their major league career. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Don Mattingly also a notable, like you said, a gold glover. Um, I do hope that he does contribute more home runs than Mattingly. He's already maxed out. Uh, Don's Don hit, I think 35 was his career high in his, um, in his MVP season, but never really a 30 home run guy. But so if anything, yeah, give Vlad the power edge and it will compare everything else. That sounds good to me. You're already a talk and you're developing a hall of famer within maybe some good conversations can go on. It's like I said, it's only going to help our young players games. All right, let's move on here, Riley. Now, this is going to be a big week in the Major League Baseball calendar because it is now, we turn our eyes to San Diego and we the MLB winter meetings are beginning. And historically, Riley, this is usually the week in the uh, offseason where the big transactions actually start to start. Agents get together in San Diego. A lot of owners and general managers get together. And if a deal is not made in this time, a lot of the framework for some of the big trades or some of the big deals we get made are going to be made through this week. So I thought, Riley, you and I here could kind of go together. We could kind of analyze some of the quotes that Ross Atkins gave preparing to the winter meetings and kind of preview some of the stuff we expect to be done. So you ready to rock this? Let's go, Jesse. All right. Ross Atkins did make a few quotes and he said this about in terms of payroll flexibility going into the season. He said, quote, we are in a great position financially because of the support they get from Rogers communications. So Riley, we knew this for a long time that Rogers had owned Blue Jays and we had been telling them for years to dump money in there. But this is the first time I feel like in quite a while that Ross Atkins has actually said, no, like we have a full green light, go ahead to spend money on this team. And if they're talking about it now, I think they almost have to do it. Like, I think they're going to add some serious dollars here to this team to really help it increase dramatically. That was my takeaway from that quote. I mean, that's a big takeaway. And you're talking the last time I feel like we spent a lot of money was in 2015 when we got guys like Tulowitzki and David Price. And you're talking about, you know, those two guys at that time and like, you know, the later end of their career. So, I mean, hey, there's some good free agents available. We definitely have some wiggle room. The wonderful thing about baseball is that there's no cap. And I say yeah. that like we've we we live in the world of the Yankees. We don't. But I will now say that if we are going to spend that money on, you know, good acquisitions, I'll live in that world. It's been too damn long um, that this has happened, that we've had. You know what? We, we're not a low, we're not a poverty team by any means. No. I'm not going to do the poor me, poor me thing, but we have a real good chance with the players we do have control over and are not paying as much that we can go out and sign a large free agent or two in this whole equation and really put together a winning ball club. Still making trades on the side. Listen, there's a lot we can do. We can nitpick through and throughout until moves are made. Like we're looking at, 
the canvas we left last season with, with exception to some empty spots, uh, Stripling, Tapia, mm-hmm. whatever. So we're still trying to figure out ways to break. I still, at this point, love Stripling back, but that's yes. yet to be determined as well. Yeah, Nevertheless, we will- we'll get into that when the winter meetings start and hopefully, you know, something kicks up. I'm sure it will, Jesse. The Jays have dished out money the last few off seasons too. Like we signed George Springer. We gave Jose Barrios that big extension. We signed Hunjin Ryu a little bit before that. So it's there is a precedent set here. But from the sounds of this, it sounds like they're going to go even more, which I would expect. I don't want to build up the hype too much, but it sounds like big things are going to happen. Now, in terms of the players or something that the Blue Jays might acquire, Ross Atkins made the point today that their focus is all entirely on run prevention. So that means they'll probably be very active on the pitching market, surprising nobody. I think we need starters more than we need relievers, but I still think the Blue Jays will be trying to target some good relievers here and better defense all around the diamond. We've mentioned that in episodes past where they've had rumors and Kiermaier and all these good defensive outfielders and all that stuff. So nothing's really changed in that front from this episode from the last one. Yeah, absolutely. Like looking for outfield depth for sure. Another strong, um, you know, three, four guy in the rotation would be wonderful. And then I would say like a high leverage guy and a lower leverage guy in the bullpen for sure is kind of what's on my checklist. I'd, I'd want to look for two outfield pieces, a starting pitcher and two relief pitchers. So that's my top five in total right there. Not looking to break the bank, but hey, man, if we do, then I would like to spend that money and possibly another starting pitcher arm. I think that's the only way to go in this MLB in this era with the, our offense can pop off at any time. Look, man, we scored like 20, what? 27, 26 runs one game this year, 28, 28 runs, whatever, yeah. 28 runs, whatever, man. Like it's pitching, man. We got to be able to, we got to be able to compete with these guys and it can't be two guys. It can't be three guys. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a complete five guy day in and day out winning these ball games. For what it's worth, too, Buffalo's starting rotation doesn't look like it's going to be very good this year either. So I would expect the Blue Jays to sign some either like minor league starting pitchers or some maybe some veterans who are kind of past their prime that would be willing to pitch in AAA for Buffalo just to have more depth. I expect the Jays to be targets on a lot of those. But Riley, I have had some there have been some transactions around Major League Baseball that have really got me thinking about this Blue Jays and how they're going to go to acquire pitching this year. And there were three deals that were recently done. Matt Boyd signed a one year, $10 million contract with the Detroit Tigers. Mike Clevenger, who was a guy we talked about last episode, just signed with the Chicago White Sox, one year, $12 million. And Zach Eflin, about three hours ago, just signed a three year, $40 million with the Rays. And my main takeaway from this, Riley, is that getting pitching on your team is going to be expensive. Like Mike Clevenger, 32 years old, hasn't looked good since he left Cleveland. Matt Boyd pitched 13 innings last year, for goodness sake. Just got $10 million. Zach Eflin was bouncing around between the rotation and the bullpen last year. $40 million for him. So if the Blue Jays are going to add to the rotation, which we think they're going to do, it's going to cost them a lot of money. So you're telling me that next year in the American League Central, there's going to be a team with the rotation of Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Kopesh, Cease, and Clevenger. Yeah. That, that is, first of all, people, I mean, you might not know the American League Central because it's definitely one of my least known divisions. Um, I'm lucky enough to know that the White Sox last year had an unreal rotation. And you're adding a guy who has the potential. I know that, you know, the pa- Padres version of Clevenger wasn't that good. He didn't really even get a fair dink and shot, really. But the Cleveland Mike Clevenger, when they had those really good young arms, yeah, that's great, man. So the price, if the price is right, I mean, if we, hey, if we're looking to spend money, we got to compete with these other um these other teams that are also going to spend money, man. And if it's bidding wars, they want, I guess it's bidding wars. They'll get, Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we can't invest on like a player. That's not going to turn out for us, but if we can get a diamond in the rough kind of guy, maybe a guy that only a few teams are looking at. I mean, I'm sure a lot of teams were looking at Clevenger. I'm sure like Boyd going back to Detroit and Eflin. I mean, it's not too many teams are going to look at him, but I wouldn't put money on him anyways. So let's try and find a guy like that. That's going to be, you know, a positive turnout. That's what you're trying to do, man. You're trying to turn outings into wins when you're pitching. And I hope we find something. I expect the Jays to be in on those guys. And we'll actually touch on a few of them a little later in the episode to see if you and I Riley can identify one of these diamonds in the rough that might be Toronto Blue Jays. But we do have some other winter meeting stuff. The rule five draft will be taking place this Wednesday. So before our next episode, and although it seems very unlikely the Blue Jays will claim anybody, we do have a chance to lose some players from our system, including our number nine prospect, outfielder Gabriel Martinez, and number four prospect, Adrian 
Hernandez, who MLB Pipeline suggested might actually be claimed by a team because he has an exceptional changeup and might actually be able to help in an MLB bullpen today. So, Riley, would you be worried if we lose any of these two players in the Rule 5 draft? I mean, Rule 5 draft, man, is a is a funny thing. You're not, you're not going to see us go out and take a player. You're not going to see the Astros do it. You're probably not going to see the Yankees do it. Mm-hmm. This is, like I said, this is, you can draft as many, like, this is where my athletics might go. In the, I mean, our couple Blue Jay prospects might end up in Oakland um, because, you know, they're struggling and it's a rebuilder thing. You're going to get these young guys um, that haven't been put on a 40-man roster and, and, you know, turn them, basically put them on a 40-man roster and on, straight into the MLB. These are guys who could maybe even bypass AAA. I don't know the state of what Martinez is. I'm sure he was in Buffalo. But um, you get you get a whole mix of guys. I mean, it can work out. It could not work out. But it's not – if you're drafting in the Rule 5 draft and you're not selecting a for-sure thing, your team's more or less probably in trouble. You're probably rebuilding or yeah. – you just plain old have a spot and you think that, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, we, we took Elvis Luciano in, in the, and he hasn't really been back since. He was like, it seems like he was like 14 years old when he, we took him on a roster. I know he wasn't, but he was hella young, man. And, you know, when we'll see him back in a major league, he's had injuries that have set him back and yes. stuff. It's weird. It's a weird investment. Sometimes it's short term. Sometimes it's long term. It depends on the age of guys. But yeah, I don't think too much into the rule five draft. Not a huge fan on it, of course, because you're not getting you're not getting, you know, big impact guys. And if you are, it's a hell of a steal. But chances are you're probably not. You're going to get more low leverage bench players, things like that. It's more meant for the players. Like if you imagine being a catcher in AAA in St. Louis for all the years that Yaddy or Molina was there, you knew you're never going to sniff the big league. So it's more meant for players, stuff like that. I, and anyway, anyone who do give up, I would bet money that we're likely going to get them back anyway. So not too much to take on there. Um, the Hall of Fame contemporary ballot will be released on December 4th. And there's a good chance that some former Blue Jays may get inducted into this, including guys like Roger Clemens and Fred McGriff. And Riley, our new bench coach, Don Mattingly, is on the ballot. So if he does go into the Hall of Fame, Riley, is he going to be wearing a Blue Jays cap? Oh, no, no, ch- no chance. Uh, there's only sadly he's going to be going in with the um, he'll be wearing the other team's colors or pinstripes, if you will, Probably, um, which yes. is which is too bad. But we're talking about, hey, man, this is like 30 plus years ago. So whatever, man, if you I, I can honestly tell you, Jesse, there's not too many Hall of Famers that I dislike. Mm-hmm. They're they're in there for a reason, man. And you know what? It's. Some some Hall of Famers shouldn't be there, but we fixed it in the last couple of years. There are some deserving guys and still some guys that deserve that still aren't in. Yeah, and speaking of the Hall of Fame, Riley, you wanted to bring up some of the guys that are uh, first eligible on the ballot here, and there are some very interesting names on this list, including guys like Carlos Beltran and Francisco Rodriguez and some former Blue Jays like Jason Worth and R.A. Dickey, Riley. Give me your take. What do you think on these new name guys coming up onto the Hall of Fame ballot? I mean, let's not forget former J. Mike Napoli as well, right? Mm. But this is this is for an hour. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is this is this is a fun list. I mean, we were rolling through before the episode, and I uh, JJ Hardy. You know, we seen him a lot um, when he was a shortstop with the Orioles. JJ Hardy, a guy who never swung the bat well, but a really good defender. So you get a good mix of guys. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez, K. Rod had a chance to for a long time with the Angels in the 2000s, had a real chance to be, I would say, one of the best closers in baseball history. Didn't he uh, he really had the record? that potential. I thought he set the record yeah. for most saves in a season, right? I think it was 62, maybe something, something like, like that. that. I don't, it was a good, it was a good amount of saves, but there's just some names. And again, of course, R.A. Dickey, former, um, former Blue Jay, had he been a knuckle, knuckleballer his whole career, maybe things would have, you know, spelt success a little differently. I know he struggled earlier in his career, but no names jump out at me. If I would have to choose one, I mean, sadly, I'd have to go with Beltron. I mean, he clearly had the best numbers out of these guys, the longevity, because I mean, sadly, as good as as good as some of the guys were as I mean, Bronson Royal, great hair, great delivery, things like that. Jacoby Ellsbury, obviously a big rival player um, as a Blue Jays fan. It just it's it's. Not a lot of guys will be on this ballot next year, or a few of them will not be. Yeah, a lot of them will drop off. And you mentioned the only ones that really on merit could be there is Carlos Beltran. 
But remember, he was like the ringleader in the Houston Astros science dealing investigation and stuff. So he comes with controversy here. And even Francisco Rodriguez, he's dealing with a lot of like domestic violence accusations and whatnot. And we know the Hall of Fame voting committee has looked down on stuff like that, as they should. And uh, it might infect his uh, chances of getting into the Hall of Fame. So I don't think we're going to have a single first year player enter the Hall of Fame this year. No, sadly, John Lackey is just just didn't have that good of a career (laughs) to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, mind you, there are some returning guys that I'm for sure would have put in years ago. If you look at the returnees versus the first year, I mean, it's it's a no brainer. You're like you're looking at um, amazing players versus guys who were good for, I would say, two or three years at the most for 90 percent of them. All right, well, let's get into some news and notes here. We will update you on the Hall of Fame stuff as that stuff comes forward. But Ross Atkins had a few more quotes that he gave today, Riley, so I want to get our thoughts on this. There was one about Jose Barrios, and he said, quote, there was a huge part of me that has so much faith in Jose Barrios being a lot closer to the pitcher he was a few years ago than he was the pitcher last year. Riley, two questions. One, do you agree with him? And two, do you believe him? I I agree with him more than I believe him. I mean, okay. <laughs> you, you can't leave your guy out there to dry. I mean, what the hell are we going to do if he goes out there and like, yeah, Barrios is done. I mean, there's no faith in him. I mean, I can BS a, a BSer, man. I mean, no question about it. He's going out there to protect him a little bit. But a part of me does feel like Jose Brios won't be the same guy he was when he was in Minnesota. But I don't think that it will be as bad in 2023 as it was this past year. I mean, we're talking about a five plus ERA. You're talking about the most home runs given up in the American league. You're talking about a guy who pitched every, pretty much every start for him. He was in the ball games. He got the innings pitched. I mean, of course, some of those starts were shortened by a giving up a boatload of runs. Right. I mean, when he was on, he could be on, but there was just way too many blowups, man. I think there's still going to be blowups next year, but I think they're going to be a lot fewer and far between. I mean, it was a weird year for him. I think it's definitely going to be an anomaly when you look back at it. But it's not going to be, I mean, we're not going to talk about a guy who's going to be a 3-6, a 3-5, a even a 3-4 ERA with a with a one eleven whip. We're probably going to look at a guy with a whip in the 1-2-5 area where maybe a guy with a 4-20, 4-30 earned run average. But you know what, Jesse? I'm okay with that because he's still going to go out there. He's going to pitch his, he's going to pitch his 32 starts. And he's going to do just fine. He's going to be a plus, a plus for us in the wins column. But he's definitely not going to he's not going to be a Cy Young guy, but he's not going to pitch like he did last year. And I mean, if you're Ross Atkins, what else are you going to say? You're going to be like, yeah, we got six more years of this guy. Of course, you're going to say he's going to get better. Of course, you're going to say he believes in them. Another struggling pitcher, Riley, that the Blue Jays kind of talked about. This is a little different tone, though. And they talked about Yusei Kikuchi. And Ross Atkins said, quote, we will want to learn more and see more before we pencil him into the starting rotation next year. So my kind of thought process on this is the Blue Jays are actively looking for a replacement for Yusei Kikuchi in the starting rotation and will only pencil him in there if he, one, amazes during spring or amazes during the offseason or the Blue Jays just struggle to find the right rotation guys to find. But it does sound like from that quote, the Blue Jays are looking for two, if not three more starting pitchers for the rotation. What are your takeaways on that? Uh, Yeah, of course, it's a takeaway. So you always use the expression, Jesse, if this happens and something went very wrong, if we're going to start opening day in 2023 with Manoa and then go Gosman, I think that's the right thing to do. And then I would say number three yet to be determined yep. and then four Barrios. And then if it is, if it is Kikuchi, that number three guy better be a fireballer. Like DeGrom uh, or Verlander we, type or like. Sure. Sure. Brother. Yeah. Ed, but like if, if Kikuchi starts there, that guy better be good. If he's not there, I expect we sign a guy um, who's basically kind of in the same boat as Kikuchi. We're just trying on a different shirt, essentially. And Kikuchi, I assume, will take on the spot of a long reliever. But we'll see, man. I, I, I'm 50-50. It's not... I, it's not that I want or don't want him to start. I'd love him to be in the fifth spot, Jesse. I just don't know if I can take it right now. If he starts the season off in, in the in the bullpen and and has a wicked spring and just a great April. I mean, sure, let's see what he can do. But for right now, yeah, I mean, he's got to have a short leash for sure, man. 
I'm a Kikuchi believer. If you've listened to this show, you know that I've got is I've got to be one of like four Blue Jays people who have a Kikuchi jersey. For goodness' sake, I believe in Yusei Kikuchi, and I think he's going to do big things next season. But we'll address that a little later on. One more piece of notes here: the Blue Jays writers had their team awards, and no surprise, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won Team MVP. Alec Manoa wins Team Cy Young. Ross Stripling was voted the team's most improved player and Buck Martinez and Mark Budzinski shared the John Carudi award, which goes to someone associated with the day-to-day workings of Blue Jays baseball who displays goodwill, cooperation, and character as exemplified from the late left-hander. So good stuff there for the Blue Jays. I like it. I, of course, those winners, I like the award for Budzinski. He had a terrible year. A lot of our guys took a crap, crap kick in there, Campbell and Buck and, and Budzinski. So that's really good that they have that. I also like, you know, the most improved strip. Like, I mean, give him an award. I don't know what it's called, man. You could call it the X Factor Award. You can call it, you know, the Stingy Player Award. I don't know what. Like, you got to give Stripling something. He paid or played well above his pay grade and was an absolute force for us. I mean, he had a I, – I love talking about whip for, for pitchers. He Big had whip a whip – He's a whip around one guy. I mean, I yeah. would not expect that for Ross Stripling. I, I do hope he comes back to Toronto. He would be a great three guy for us again. I mean, we loved him here in Toronto. I mean, you want to talk about, like, you can call that award whatever you want. He needed an award. You want to call it the most improved? That's great. Personally, I think he was awesome all year. He did get a little bit better as the year progressed, but Stripling did awesome all year. How else do you end with stats like that? I'm just seeing a quote literally right this second, Riley, that says, in terms of starting pitchers, Ross Atkins didn't rule out shopping at the top of the market, which is headlined by Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, and Carlos Rodon. Although the GM did acknowledge if they devote substantial resources to a starter, then we need to think through what this means for the other needs of opportunities. So you taking anything from that quote? I mean... Depends where the rest of uh, it depends where the rest of our cash flow is going. If you're going to cut it up like a pie chart, Jesse, and you basically draw a circle, cut it down the middle, and name fifty percent Degrom and fifty percent other, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But if it's I different, mean, if it's like seventy five percent Degrom and twenty five percent other, is that hey, too much? Hey, hey uh, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Pitching is important. You don't. Uh, you at the start jesse of this episode that there's said basically there's nothing more important than starting pitching and i agree starting pitching wins you games and obviously if we're not starting the year with triple a guys in our corner outfields we're good if we can put money into an absolute stud degrom is or was, I don't know what you want to call I, I don't date pitchers good. But there was a, a stretch longer than anybody in the National League, aside from maybe Scherzer, where he was the best pitcher in the National League. Aside from Scherzer for the Nationals, it was DeGrom. And if you're talking about him coming to Toronto, I mean, that's huge. You jump on that opportunity. I still think he is, on a per-inning basis, the best starting pitcher in baseball. 1A with a bullet. I don't think it's going to happen, but man, would I love to see Jacob DeGrom throw his 102-mile-per-hour fastball, his 90-mile-per-hour slider in Toronto. I just really don't think it's going to happen. I wish it would, but I just don't think it will. And I, I, I love the guy personally. I think he's great. And obviously, so long time met, and so was his buddy Syndergaard there. Thor is what they call him. Not so mm-hmm. much uh, after the haircuts. He's got it grown back now. Both of them. At one point, you know what? If he does come to Toronto, petition this. Bring DeGrom's long hair back. Love, <laughs> sure. l- love sure. long hair DeGrom. I think it's great. I mean, we got guys with – we got the best hair team in Major League Baseball between Guriel, Bichette. I mean, it's just bloody awesome, man. So, DeGrom, get on that train if you're coming. I mean, great hair, Jake. I don't know. Whatever you want to nickname it, hashtag it, whatever you want to <laughs> call it. I mean, there's a low percentage that this is even happening. Right. But you want to talk about a – just an absolute ace. I mean, you could just call him your one A guy, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. This is a guy who's going to go out and win ball games in on any team. Well, if we're not going to shop at the top of the market for starting pitching, Ben Riley, we're probably going to be fishing in this next tier of starting pitchers. And I got 15 names for you, Riley, kind of like we did on our last episode. We'll banter through and we'll kind of quickly discuss. Don't need to spend too long on either guy, but whether or not we think they should be a Toronto Blue Jay, and whether or not we think they'd be a good fit. You ready to rock? I like them. 
All right, number one on the list where we left off right after Andrew Benintendi is a starting pitcher that we've seen a lot in the AL East, and that's Jamison Tyon. He is projected to earn about three years, $36 million. I was just watching MLB Network before starting the show here tonight, and they said there is some buzz on the Jamison Tyon market. He seems like one of these guys that will probably will sign somewhere in the winter meetings here. And look... I'll admit I don't love Tyon, but he's a good strike thrower. He throws, he's got good spin on his fastballs and breaking breaking balls. Should kind of be a relatively safe mid threes, low fours ERA guy, but I love upside. He can be a little homer prone. I just don't think Jameson Tyon has that type of upside. No, so there's better versions of Tyon for sure. I mean, he's kind of a lesser version of maybe a DeGrom or maybe a Scherzer. He's definitely a power type pitcher. Um with a little bit less control, and yes, prone to giving up the long ball. Can I see him in Toronto? Um, I honestly doubt it, Jesse. There's just um, I think that he's going to be picked up by one of these other teams. It's another another guy. We see him with the with the Yankees, obviously. So um, yeah, anywhere that isn't a rival team in the division is usually good. If he doesn't go to if he doesn't go to Toronto, don't want to see him on the other one of the other four teams. The thing is, the Jays need serviceable pitching, though, right? And Jamison Tyon can't give you serviceable pitching. So maybe there is a chance they sign here, but I kind of hope they spend their money elsewhere. Uh, number two on this list is an old friend, Riley, a guy we had in the 2020 season, and that is Taiwan Walker. He's projected to make three years, $39 million. Boy, I remember we didn't do the show in the 2020 season, but if we did, I'm sure we would have had long talks about whether or not the Blue Jays should resign Taiwan Walker. And I looked him up before we started the show today. He really changed his pitch mix in 2022. Started throwing a splitter more and actually had really good results with it. I think he could be a sneaky down low guy if he can carry over his new pitch mix into what he did in 2023 and could actually have surplus value going forward for this team. So I didn't know these names uh, on the list coming in, but um, see, I didn't jump on uh, uh, Jamison Tyone because I knew there was going to be better names. So you give me the second name, which is Walker, which I think is great. I like that. I feel like his tenure here was too, was too short. This is a crafty arm. This is a, <clears throat> this is a good slot picture, pitcher, good leg kick, deceptive delivery. I like mm-hmm. that he throws a splitter too, because I know another pitcher on this on this club who throws an awesome splitter yeah, too. Pretty good so one, you, always, eh? you always get these conversations between pitchers, you know, trying to develop their craft a little bit more. I don't think it's going to help Gosman, but it definitely could help out Tyone Walker's game. And mm-hmm. of course, that's a cool thing, man. I mean, no, I, in all respect to Gosman, we're not trying to make him too, too much better. I mean, he's really great. But if we could bring in a guy who could possibly get better on some of his pitches and pitch mixes, then yeah, for sure. I, I'll, I'll, I'll buy on that one. That sounds like cool. The price, uh, a little bit high, but this is the market we yeah. this is the market we're in right now. I mean, I have to I also have to do a financial adjustment in my head. Those yes. prices a couple of years ago seemed ridiculous, but people is gonna be expensive, people, right? People watching, people listening, and myself included. The mindset now is that we got the money to spend. If Rogers mm-hmm. wants to invest, we can go after these arms, man. So yeah, I'm all I'm all for Walker, man. Health is a downside, but when isn't health a downside for pitchers? All pitchers are just a walking injury risk. So We'll take my chances of Taiwan Walker. Sign me up. He's a guy I think I want on the Blue Jays this year. Uh, number three on the list is J.D. Martinez, Riley. And if you were telling me this is like 2019, 2020, man, I would love to have J.D. Martinez. Um, but the guy's just passed his prime. He probably has to DH. The power just completely disappeared. <laughs> you know, he's not really a good corner outfielder. I think he's going to go to a non-contending team to try to rebuild value. I don't think he's going to be a Toronto Blue Jay this year. Couldn't agree more. Going to go. I, I could honestly see him going to the Milwaukee Brewers now that the DH is implemented. A weak hitting team, a pretty good pitching team, and uh, hitting in the in clean upper fifth spot there. And yeah, definitely not uh, a corner fielder anymore. Uh, really, you know, out of his prime, he was certainly a lethal force playing at Fenway, but um, he's going to move somewhere else. I predict. The Brewers, so a, a, a strong pitching team, weak hitting team, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, not a Blue Jay, though. I like that call. Definitely in the National League somewhere is where I'd peg JB, J.D. Martinez to go. Number four on this list is Justin Turner. He's projected to make one year $12 million. I don't think the Blue Jays are signing a third baseman, Riley. They've got a pretty good one in Matt Chapman. So I would say we're out on Justin Turner, right? Yeah, and I like just I, I do like Justin Turner, actually. This is a guy I liked him, actually, when he played early in his career with the Mets. I thought that this was an interesting guy. This is a guy who can get bad on ball. Um, and he, his defense is held up. Obviously, I can't really like him because he played for the Dodgers, but I guess now he's a free agent. I can say stuff like this. I did like him when he played for the Mets. thought he was an interesting piece there. Um I don't think he's. I think that this is a guy who doesn't have too many years left. This yeah, one year contract, I believe, right? I, I, he might get this year in the next year after. 
I, I hope for him all the best. If he gets a full-time gig, that's great, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing behind somebody, Jesse. I mean, it honest to God wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I kind of with you there. Won't be with the Blue Jays, though, that's for sure. This next guy, Riley, is an interesting one. In a world where the Blue Jays want run prevention, there's Gene Segura out there who might make two years, 24 million. And his defense over the last three years, Riley, has he's been the third best defensive second baseman over the last three seasons. The bat, league average. Now, the Blue Jays have a lot of guys at the second base platoon already with Merrifield, Espinal, and Biggio, but those guys are all linked in trade rumors. If we decide to move one or two of them, I could see us signing Gene Segura to fill a good defensive second base role, especially with them banning the shift. You want more range from your middle infielders, and Gene Segura could do just that. He is definitely a throwback type of guy. He actually, when he played for the Phillies, reminded me a lot of uh, the guy who came before him and Jimmy Rollins. Obviously not a switch hitter, but yeah. um, certainly a quicker guy. I think his speed's gone downhill for sure. Never really a power bat, bat on ball guy, but the defense there, very important. And I agree, the uh, the shift being banned is going to be really important to be agile up the middle and to have good fielding. And um, I really... I, I, I think Bo can do it, but he's he's got Chapman to his right, and I think that's helpful. But he also needs a really good second baseman. Now, whether we can turn – if Wet Merrifield can be the quick, agile Merrifield, that's great. I don't know if it's going to be Biggio. We'll see. The – that that whole that could be a whole other episode. The whole who's on second. Yeah, we bit. should actually address that. Maybe in our next episode, if there's no big news. Abs, stay tuned uh, next Thursday, Jesse and I. If something hasn't happened, we will totally rip down the whole structure of the MLB and look at a second baseman because it thoroughly needs to be addressed and possibly pieces in return. Whatever, Jesse. We'll do that next week. Who's your next guy available at the, on the market? So the next guy is a guy who had a three-war season last year, and it's Jose Quintana, who's might be looking at two years, $24 million. But Riley, I dug into this guy. Nothing in the data suggests he's really a different pitcher than the guy who got shelled the years prior. He just randomly, suddenly stopped giving up home runs. And I don't know how it happened. If that's a skill and he can sustain that, then there might be good value here in Jose Quintana. But I don't think it is, and I don't want any part of the guy on our rotation. I don't either. Uh, attaching like he's an he's an older pitcher. He's a lefty pitcher with not overly hard stuff, and he's playing at Rogers Center, which is a hitter hitter friendly park. None of it screams come to Toronto. And I I just again I want to look for the other the other piece to resistance and the five on our five hole pitcher somewhere else. Probably not going to be Jose Quintana, but um, a guy uh, probably younger than Turner, if not around the same age, but probably not a whole lot of years left. If you can get a starting gig somewhere else, that's great. Yeah, let him let him go somewhere else. He, I, I'd rather have Kikuchi in our rotation than uh, Jose Quintana. This next guy on our list is a guy, Riley, you've mentioned quite a bit. You've already mentioned him this episode, and that's Noah Syndergaard, who might be looking at two years, $28 million. Now, we've heard mixed reports that the Blue Jays were interested in this guy at the trade deadline, and then Ken Rosenthal said we weren't interested in him at the trade deadline, so I don't really know who to believe there. But the thing on Syndergaard, Riley, is his strikeout rate was actually the eighth worst out of all qualified starters right last year, and the velocity is way down, and I think the upside is gone with Noah Syndergaard. We're not going to get the 2015 Noah Syndergaard who flamethrowers and like was one of the best pitchers in baseball, but he induces weak contact. We've seen the Blue Jays have some weak contact guys. Ross Stripling was one of them, for example. So it can work if Noah Syndergaard can put it all together. Riley, are you willing to make a bet that he can put it together for two years, $28 million? I, I certainly think he can. The thing about Syndergaard is that, yeah, he's not the flamethrower that he he once was or has had the ceiling that he once looked like he was going to have. But Syndergaard changes, changed his craft a bit into more of a heavy sinker ball, cut fast ball, you know, like you said, a weak contact, a real different role from what he would have initially looked and was sculpted in early in his Mets days. And I think that I think that's great that his value is down. I think that if he can put it together, I think I think he's going to have a good 2023 wherever he goes. And I mean, it's just the justice. Um, you know, had we need listen, we needed Dickie in in that in that deal. I mean, yeah. Tolly, oh, what that was a huge bonus to get Josh Tolly. <laughs> Whoa, but um, you know, we had to pay the price there. This is a guy. This is an OG Blue Jay. Uh, it would be really cool to bring him back. I'm a fan of homegrown guys. This is a guy who certainly grew elsewhere, and this is the this is getting into the second half of Noah Syndergaard's career, and um, 
let's see what he can do in a Blue Jays uniform. I actually wouldn't be too upset with him if, or wouldn't be up too upset if he made the move and came to Toronto. I think that'd be pretty cool. If he can stay healthy and throw innings, I think it's going to be a good get to get. This next guy, though, Riley, is someone who I think I might want a little more than Noah Syndergaard, and that is left-handed pitcher Sean Manaya, who is projected to get two years, $20 million. Now, he had been league average or above for a few years, like three or four years prior, before kind of just falling apart last year, and he got shelled in the playoffs. So, like, the most recent look at Sean Manaya seems bad, and that might actually suppress his value a little bit, but I do think going forward he could be better. He was one of my favorite pitching prospects in the whole game of baseball, period, and lefties who throw good innings will get paid. Yusei Kikuchi got paid. Steven Matz got paid. I think Sean Manaya is the next one in that line, and I think you could get some good seasons out of them if the Blue Jays go this route. So you totally can't do that to me. You can't. You can't. You can't because we don't talk about the list. I always right. love to be. I always love to be surprised. Jesse, you can't go. Oh, I'll just lob you up center guard, but then I'm going to hit you with Sean Manaya. So <laughs> you don't think I know about Sean Manaya? This guy has the best, I think, the best fastball circle change to see mix. This is a guy with great control. He does not have control issues. He suffers from giving up the long ball, which he never yeah, really had. A lot had, of hard but, contact against him. Is the thing. Uh, but, and, but you know what? This is a guy who I believe um, can still make, uh, can still have big seasons. Like I'm thinking like high two ZRA, uh, one, two whip. A guy who can limit base runners. This is a guy who still has a pretty big ceiling. He's not the big name ace that he once looked like he was going to be. But certainly, whoo, baby, that's a spicy name. Shab Manaya, that's uh, that's a good one. I love that. And uh, yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not going to go against. I said what I did about Syndergaard. I'd be cool with either or, but I do love my Oakland grown guys. And uh, yeah, he got he got hit around when he played for the Padres. But um, for lack of a better word, he's going to go somewhere and win games. And if it's with with the Blue Jays, I think that's awesome. He had just a shy of a five ERA last year, but the ERA estimators actually had him closer to a four ERA, which would be right in line with the majority of his career. So I think we could be getting a bounce back and maybe with some Babbitt luck. Real good production out of Sean Manaya. Next guy on this list, Riley, is another guy who's kind of similar. We saw him a lot with Tampa last year, and that's Corey Kluber, who's projected a one-year, $11 million contract. Only one pitcher in baseball had a better walk rate than Ross Stripling last year, and that was Corey Kluber. Came off a three-war season, and that curveball is still really good. I think he might be a fit on a short deal for this older guy. I do like that as well. Kluber is a guy that we've seen a lot. Yeah, uh, this is total vet, total veteran guy. Been around the American League a long time, and um, I've I personally, I think I've been to many games that Corey Kluber has pitched in over my baseball viewing at the Rogers Center, going to watch him pitch. Like, oh, who's pitching to Kluber? He just seems like a guy I would watch mm-hmm. in a in the in a, on the over the course of a year. Um, few, by the way, that there is only one year attached to that deal i think that that's important when looking at getting an older pitcher and um i whatever you said last episode can't really go wrong with a one-year deal i'm cool yeah, with agreed. that man there there's not a lot of investment in it it's a guy that has a big upside i mean Corey kluber in his heyday was an absolute household name obviously not in that heyday anymore but can certainly um you know upset hitters timings and give you a lot of innings good strike throw good soft contact seems to be kind of the trend with the starting pitchers as we get into this range of players right we have five more names to go here and this next one on the list has been some guy that some blue jays fans have been talking about for quite a while so i think it's about time we get our official take on it and that is michael conforto who might be only taking a one-year $12 million deal. Now, he was coming off a year where he had a qualifying offer attached to him. No one wanted to give up the draft pick to sign him. And then he also, uh, he got hurt trying to come back. Now, the Blue Jays did check in on Conforto last year before he got hurt. So we know there was interest there. And I don't know, there is a little bit of upside here. And the thing is, too, it's kind of a weak outfielder market after Nimmo, after Aaron Judge. So somebody is going to pay Michael Conforto. The defense is still good. There is a little bit of pop in the bat still. It's just, you don't really know what you're going to get. Because if he's still hurt, he's still not doing well, it could be a mix. But what are your thoughts on Michael Conforto? I think that this is a uh, – I think I think that this is could go either way. Okay, so we have basically – right now, as it seems, Jesse, we lost an outfielder. We have basically a declining natural center fielder and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who plays left field for us. So what do we look for in the outfield? We want a mobile guy. We want a speed guy. Now, sadly – 
Conforto isn't actually a Buxton or uh, a Kiermaier in that mix. And I think that's big for me, man. I like defense in my outfield when my one mm-hmm. other outfielder is George Springer. And I'm cool with Lourdes and his athleticism. He's got a great throwing arm. But I, I, I do like Conforto's bat. Um, as a guy who loves OBP, Michael Conforto and Nimmo, a lot of those New York Mets brought up guys have great on-base percentage. Michael Conforto is no exception to that. And I think that's really cool. But, the I, and, hey, if his defense was excellent, I would take it. If his if his speed was more, if his range was up there, but it's just not. I'm probably going to pass if it were up to me and look somewhere else. But I could be kicking myself in the butt. He is a lefty bat who can still put the ball into play, who can draw walks, who can put the ball into the seat probably 12 to 15 times a year. That's cool. I don't know, man. I'm pretty torn. Uh, I'm glad I'm not making the decision on it personally, but uh, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, he'd, uh, he would definitely fit in the Blue Jays uniform. He's got uh, three seasons, over 25 home runs in his career. You know, a guy who could probably do it. He's an interesting name to watch. As Michael Conforto. Next guy on this list, Riley, is Trey Mancini, first baseman. We're not signing a first baseman, right? At least not at this tier of player. Right? No, and we went this. Yeah, we went and looked uh, like Mancini played a little bit of corner outfield. I, th- I think at this point, his career is probably a first baseman. We're not going to sign a first baseman, and the athleticism really isn't there anymore. A righty guy who's a more power than contact guy. He's just going to hit seventh for us, it seems, if we brought him aboard. We don't really want that. He doesn't have the the complementary tool sets, you know, that you might want to call the players we might need. Mancini's got a great story, if you don't know. Um, great story, yeah. L- Great story, comeback player of the year. Um, and um, if any, hey, if anyone got a ring that deserves it, it's definitely Mancini, maybe the only guy that actually I'm happy for in that. But um, sadly, not pro- not going to fit with the Jays scheme, but going to go somewhere else and and get a payday and hopefully have a 30 home run season. I think that would be awesome. That would be. Next guy on this list is another one of these old aging, soft contact, strike throwing pitchers. This one's Johnny Cueto, a guy we know well from our playoff runs, a guy who's pitching the majors for a long time. He's coming off his best season since that 2016 season, but definitely a pitch to contact guy now. Not the same guy he used to be, kind of similar to Corey Kluber. He's going to rely on soft contact, but man, he's 37 years old. And if he loses any of that location or any of that soft contact ability, it's going to blow up for Johnny Cueto. So I think I'm out. What are your thoughts? Man, I'm, we talked about, I'm, Way bigger on Kluber than I am Cueto. If we're going to pick one or the other, I think it's a no-brainer with taking Corey Kluber and leaving Cueto on the outside. This is a guy who probably has less time in the major leagues than Corey Kluber. I think, hypothetically, let's say he does sign with the Jays. I think it is a one-year thing. And then I think he goes somewhere else from there. I think Johnny Cueto might be on his way out. I don't know if we see him in 2024. I think we do see him this year. in some way, shape, or form, but it might be the, the door might be starting to open for him. Yeah, just not for me. Not on this Blue Jays team. Not too much downside for a team who's trying to win now and get to the World Series. Now, Riley, I'm a sucker for upside. This name has been mentioned several times before. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before, but it is Andrew Heaney, who's looking for two years, $20 million, and I am in. Andrew, he- Andrew Heaney's breaking ball, um, his strikeout rate on that pitch was the second best in all of baseball with a minimum of 70 innings pitch. He's had like games where he would strike out like 10 of the first 14 batters or something like that. Like there is a version of Andrew Heaney who is an absolute strikeout machine and can be in the upper echelon of starting pitchers. The problem, Riley, he's way too homer prone. He could have a start like that, but then he also walks the guy, gives up a home run, and then he gives up two more home runs. So you get like either this elite, elite player or the guy who just gives up too much hard contact. And if you can find a way to get that elite player more than you can get the guy who gives up too many hits, it could be a major difference maker at such a cheap dollar cost. So I kind of want Andrew Heaney on this team. Let me know what you think. I'm probably, I'm probably less, um, less inclined to say that I want him. He has an, he's an interesting guy. in the fact that he has changed his pitch mix just a little bit, his like he used his sinker more heavily early on, maybe with the angels and then made the move just basically down the road in California to the other LA team. And yeah, the curve, the curveball was dynamite. Absolutely. Um, again, 
trying to bring in two starting pitchers. If we're looking at it, Kikuchi. So if Kikuchi can be better, I would still rather have Kikuchi that if I knew mm. Heaney was going to blow up. But hey, if Heaney pitches great, then we're just missing out on him. Um, read me back. What do you think the projected contract is? Two years, 20 million, probably. 10 million a year. Uh, so what Matthew listen, Boyd just signed for basically. Yeah, we're, we're looking to win a championship in 2023. We got two left-handed guys in Kikuchi and Heaney. I'm on board if we can agree that they'll kind of slide in the five spot. And we can kind of, if, if you know, we start Kikuchi in the pen and Heaney starts to slide a little bit and Kikuchi's been hot, we can move Kikuchi into that five slot and put Heaney in the pen. There's lots of options we can do there. Hey, man, I'm on board with it. But I want to see the good side. Hey, I like upside as much as you, but I also want to beat my head off a wall if I see a guy <laughs> go out there and, and watch him just get lit up every three, two, three starts. It's definitely a high-risk, high-reward. To me, I'm kind of hoping we sign a guy like that. We get lucky. We get the high side of variance, and that's the move that kind of takes us over the top to help us win a World Series. But, of course, a lot of what-ifs in that statement. The last guy on our list is Michael Brantley. Riley, this is a player the Blue Jays have been interested in the past. I think his years of being like, you know, fifth or sixth on the MVP ballot are long gone. But you can see he's still a very professional hitter. Great plate discipline. Good in-zone contact. The Blue Jays have always liked that. They've always had interest. In fact, I'm pretty sure we signed Michael Brantley for an hour. And then reports were that we didn't anymore. But the one thing that holds me back from the Blue Jays actually signing this guy is that the defense has been quite terrible. And the Jays were talking so much about run prevention. I really doubt they're out unless Michael Brantley wants to accept a bench roll with maybe some platoon splits. And I don't know if him and his agent are going to accept that. So do you have a thought on Michael Brantley here, Riley? Or... Yeah, a guy who's got great, great contact against right-handed pitchings, actually elite guy to have at the top of the order. If that's the case was a household name. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say a few, but a handful of years back, he was definitely at the top of the league. It seemed every year for on-base percentage, batting order, all those stats. Um, yeah, bench roll would be cool, man. Look, we're looking to fill an outfield spot, and it goes back to he's probably not going to do a whole bunch of DHing. So we got to find a guy who can play the good defense. And I love the lefty bat thing. I really do, because it's a guy who can potentially hit at the top of the order, although I don't see it happening. I just don't think he's the right piece. I do like Brantley, though. Sucks have, that he had yeah. to play for Houston. I loved him when he played for Cleveland, though. I'll tell you that. I loved, mm-hmm. I loved Brantley when he played for Cleveland. I thought he was a great ball player. Just a little out of his prime. And I just don't think it's the right move for us to make. For just not worth, sure about Brantley. Yeah, the Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro uh, combination there do have a history with Cleveland, do have a history of Michael Brantley. So maybe they know more about him than the others. But again, I just don't think he's a difference maker at this point in his career. And I just don't know if it's going to happen. But Riley, any other players, any other last thoughts on those 15 players we mentioned? Are there one or two that really strike out that you really hope that we get on this roster? Or you're just kind of indifferent about all of them? So, look, if we're going to try and tie it in like this, so what? let's pretend that we did, don't in this in this non-perfect world, we don't get to Grom. Right. What I would be really cool with, Jesse, though, is if we did sling a contract offer to Syndergaard and Corey Kluber. I think those names jump off the page at me, even more than Shamanaya. I know it's cool with, with um, my Oakland ties and everything like that, but I really do like Syndergaard's pitch mix. I really do like how he's kind of rehabbed a little bit more from when he was struggling. And um, I like a veteran arm. I think that we have a lot of young guys. I think that, yes, Corey Kluber isn't a guy who's going to finish top three for Cy Young voting, but I also see a guy who used to win games and used to win big games. Mm-hmm. A guy who we've seen before. A guy, yeah, like you could look at him as a rival, but at the end of the day, I mean, pitchers are pitchers. He really didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't really do anything wrong. He went out and earned some dough. We can get him on a one-year deal, and I think this is a guy who's going to win games for us and be above replacement level. Yep, my big three that we're taking away from this one, uh, Corey Kluber is one of them. I would like to see him on the Blue Jays. Andrew Heaney, of course. I really just, I'm never going to stop talking about upside. I love it. And uh, Taiwan Walker. I really do think the Blue Jays should be in on Taiwan Walker here. And uh, those three guys should be names we look to target in the free agency. For what it's worth, too, uh, Ross Atkins did say that they are closer to getting free agents than they are to a trade acquisition right now. So one of these guys likely, probably by the time we record our next episode, Riley, might actually be a Toronto Blue Jay. So there's that that we can look forward to. So hope we guess right. Yeah, we uh, we were right in the past. Um, mm-hmm. 
That's, I mean, less trying to get on the map. Now we're more trying to figure out this Blue Jays team. A lot more thinking, Jesse, now that we've kind of digested uh, the postseason uh, or what was the, po- whatever that was, um, we've kind of digested that and, and rolled through. There's, I think, plenty opportunity to go out there and really structure this team to be better than it was in 2022. I think the opportunity is there. Uh, uh, we just got to make the right acquisitions, man. We got to, we got to maybe, do what you said and do that Andrew Heaney thing and, you know, bank on a guy who's going to have a big payoff for us. I think that's going to be important and it could make or break where we finish in, in the pennant standings and um, you know, where we, where we play October baseball. We know the Jays guys are doing their homework too. We know they're going to big and deep on these players. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see Riley winter meetings are this week. Rumors are going to be floating a buzz like crazy. This is the time to get back into off-season mode. Maybe this is the weekend we see Aaron Judge sign or something that can really get the dominoes going. And I bet you, I'd put money on it, that by the time we record our episode next week, the Blue Jays have done some sort of acquisition so we don't have to lead our next episode with the bench coach signing. But, uh, but there's that. Hey, Donnie Baseball, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. But sure. yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking talk about it. I don't have any real guesses. If any of those names... Um, high impact pieces come aboard, Jesse. We'll be probably pretty happy about it. Um, I mean, look at it this way. Yes, there's 29 other teams in the league. Not mm-hmm. every team is looking for other player, but we're in a c- competitive market and a high price market at that. So we got to put uh, put our put our wallets down, man, and and have a bidding war if that's what it takes. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully next week we'll have some good news to report. I hope so. That'll do it for our episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to us. And you guys killed it. Last time we told you you were down to just six more followers away from 100. Not only did we hit that, we well surpassed it. So everyone, thanks for coming on board, Buds and Blue Jays. You're our honorary Buds on this channel. And we just hope, hey, 500 is our next milestone, Riley. Let's hope we hit that soon. 500 is a good number. Um if you're a baseball player and you hit 500 home runs, I mean, there's a good chance you're in the Hall of Fame, Jesse. Let's so 500 500 is a great number. We're just little babies right now. 100 <laughs> home runs. We 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 passed that number already this this year mm-hmm. with a couple of Blue Jays. The number 100. It's a good. That's a good number. Long way to go, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. Let's hope the Blue Jays do something fun and exciting. We'll see you guys then. Thanks, guys.